Welcome to BDO Talks ERISA, a monthly podcast from BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence. Each month, we will be talking best practices around all things ERISA, how to avoid common compliance issues, how to navigate the tricky ins and outs of ERISA's fiduciary provisions, and discussing our own experiences working for BDO's ERISA Services Group and the insights we share through the ERISA Center of Excellence. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Welcome to another podcast of BDO Talks ERISA. We're absolutely excited to have you joining us today. I'm Beth Garner, the National Practice Leader for BDO's EBP Audit Group, and I'm one of your co-hosts for the episode. Of course, Sharing in my co-host duties is Joanne Zupka. You know, they they say that everybody has like that coworker best friend at work. Joanne is that, she's my person. So um, we kind of talk all the time and bounce off ideas off each other. And this is one of our topics that we talk about. So we're back today to continue talking about, as we, I jokingly said, the hot topic um, is cryptocurrency. And we had Sterling join us last month uh, to talk about crypto, just in general terms. Well, this month we have Dave joining with Sterling again, and uh, we thought it would be a great idea to really have them back to continue to really dive into some more detailed questions regarding crypto, But really, as it relates to retirement plans and it being an investment um, offering within your retirement. So thank you both for joining us again. Well, Dave, sorry, I I misspoke. Dave joining us for the first time, but Sterling coming back. And um, what I'm going to do is read your bios. And um, I'm going to, Dave goes first. So Dave is a member of the Workplace Investing Executive Management Team and serves as the Head of Workplace Retirement Platforms, Workplace Investing for Fidelity. So he leads Fidelity's defined contribution and multi-product platform and product development teams across sites in the U.S., India, and Ireland. The teams are responsible for developing and managing market leading solutions and customer experiences and the continuous modernization of the workplace retirement platforms, leveraging cloud technologies. Dave also has principal responsibility for next generation defined contribution plan innovation and notably digital assets and the blockchain. So um, both bios have uh, digital assets and blockchain, which is just um, very interesting topics uh, for Joanne and myself in just this industry. And then I'm going to read Sterling's uh, bio. She is a product area leader for next-gen retirement and workplace investing and North Carolina regional leader at Fidelity Investments. Her product areas include digital assets, blockchain, and participant account portability. Now, Sterling's been at Fidelity for eight years. She is led with a passion for creating innovative solutions with technology and data-driven insights to meet business priorities and customer needs. Now, she's within the Fidelity Labs. She created a go-to market team and was a leader in building new products, including student debt, charitable Bitcoin contributions, and an associate career mobility program. Now, within enterprise cybersecurity, Sterling helped to keep Fidelity cyber safe and secure while enabling an exceptional customer experience and continued growth of business and workplace investing, 
healthcare, and cryptocurrency industries. I mean, we got some heavy hitters here today. I mean, yes, I, I, we do. So are we worthy to be on the podcast? <laughs> I I'm don't know. Sure. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I've listened to both of you and you're pretty impressive. So I think uh, it's our special treat to be here. Well, I'll pay well, you later you. Yeah. for that compliment. <laughs> In Bitcoin, right, Beth? That's right. Yes, exactly. My, it would be my first Bitcoin. Um, so, Sterling, we appreciate you joining us uh, again and bringing along Dave. Um, Dave, you know, we start every podcast. Tell us a little something about yourself, something we're not going to get from your bio. Well, first of all, Beth and Joanne, I want to say thank you for the opportunity to join the podcast and join with my colleague and good friend Sterling. I am looking forward to continuing the discussion that you started last month. A uh, little bit about myself. Um, well, my wife, Ellen, and I, we are the proud parents of a three-year-old standard poodle who um, who is our kid, um, certainly thinks he's our kid. Um, and um, my wife uh, does a great job taking care of him and and uh, and treating him just like he, he's, he's a child in the family. I'd say also, in addition to that, um, you know, I'm personally, I'm, I've always been a bit of a contrarian by nature. And I've, I've also been very energized and excited about innovation that can lead to societal good. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this topic and the work at Fidelity that we're doing here with leveraging blockchain and digital assets. It's really an opportunity to help create equitable access to a frictionless market and democratize access to individuals in, in the United States and around the globe in a way that to, to the financial system in a way that uh, maybe the legacy and historical traditional financial system is not permitted. I've never thought about it that way. That's a great, great statement. Okay, so, you know, before we talk about the real serious business, I'm totally with you on dogs and them being babies. My husband laughs at me because I talk to our dogs in a baby voice, and I never even talk to my own children in a baby voice. He's like, what are you doing? Doesn't even make any sense. But anyway. I digress. On I could talk about dogs all day long. Well, well Beth, I, I think I would say but, Dave's dog is like the lives the best life ever. I mean, I get to hear about what him and his wife are are doing for this fabulous dog, and um, I think being that dog is kind of Prince King. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's well, okay. So I want to dive in. I I want to get to the meat of this. Not that we couldn't spend the whole podcast talking about dogs and kids. Um, innovation, right? Dave, you mentioned innovation. Both of you guys have in your bio, blockchain, crypto, digital assets. Here's what I really want to know and start off with. Like, how, okay, how did this idea come to Fidelity about allowing cryptocurrencies to be in retirement plans? And how did this, how did you structure everything? Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. I mean, it's really quite a story, and Sterling and I have shared that story together, along with um, over 150 other associates across Fidelity who all work together to make this happen. Yeah, I'd say this really started to come together when we were hearing from clients, uh, how can I make Bitcoin in particular available to my employees through my retirement plan? And we took that question as a challenge. We started to think about not if we can do it, but how we can do it. And uh, we had a number of conversations with clients and consultants under uh, NDAs, 
Um, and we really looked around the enterprise of Fidelity and the enterprise of Fidelity has been very focused on blockchain and digital assets going back to 2014. And this just became a natural extension of leveraging the enterprise capabilities to deliver a solution to uh, to plan sponsors that leverage our record keeping platform. So we were really thrilled to be able to do that. We knew when we announced that we in many ways shocked many people that uh, that we had had put this opportunity out for plan sponsors in the market. Um, but we're very proud of that innovation and we're very proud of how we've constructed it um, as we'll describe it a little bit later with with uh, consumer protections built in. Okay, so. Go ahead. Oh, thanks, Beth. Um, you mentioned you started in 2014 and had the NDA and everything that you kind of put together. So now you're at the part of, of implementation later this year. Um, I guess what our listeners want to know is what should plan fiduciaries consider when thinking about crypto and their retirement plans? That's where I was going to. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that 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 is the that is the most important question on the table, isn't it? Because that was the surprise, which is can can a plan sponsor prudently offer access to Bitcoin in a 401k plan? And obviously, when we when we launched this, so we launched it um, you know, shortly after um, there had been a, some DOL guidance issued that uh, issued strong or caution to plan sponsors that in many ways seemed to create a perception of you know per se imprudence. Um, but I will I will tell you. Um, Prudence and fiduciary decisions are, as we all know, are fundamentally a facts and circumstance decision. So every client's got to look at this individually and decide what's right for their workforce and for their plan and to go through the same process they would go through when they're evaluating any other investment option in the plan to make sure that A, the committee understands it and understands how it's valued, how it operates, and understands the security that comes with the Bitcoin because this is a plan asset, understands how participants are going to get educated and informed, understands how it, it will be implemented into the plan. Um, but then they also have to decide as well, is this really the appropriate thing for my workforce at this time? And I think that answer to that question is unique to every plan sponsor. Um, you know, our, our opinion is, um, we have built the product or the solution in a way that plan sponsors can put it into the plan responsibly, but the ultimate decision of prudence is a fiduciary decision and clients will, some clients will believe it's right for their plan and others will not. And, uh, you know, we respect whatever that choice is because we think that's just inherent in what's the, the ERISA standards for every plan sponsor. So from a plan setup standpoint, are our plan fiduciaries looking at it to be just a regular option, just like a regular mutual fund option and you can you can trade or are they burying it more into a self-directed um, bucket? Yeah, great, great question, Beth. Um, this is in the core fund lineup. So this is an investment option. It sits right alongside the mutual funds or any other fund in the core fund lineup. It is not in a self-directed brokerage account. And I think it's important to note that that this this digital assets account is really a separate account that is held at the plan level. So it's it's not a registered product. The SEC is not approved registrations of 
spot Bitcoin ETFs or, or mutual fund products. Um, so it is a separate plan level account that will hold um, actual Bitcoin, not a proxy for Bitcoin, not investing in companies that are investing in cryptocurrency or companies that work in cryptocurrency space, but actual Bitcoin. Um, think of it as about 95% of the account will hold actual Bitcoin. About 5% of the account will hold cash or some short-term liquidity. And the structure that we've done is to do something that many of your listeners may be familiar with from employer stock, which is to unitize that oh. so that it works within a daily valued 401k plan. So um, the account will every day um, have a NAV and uh, account participant will hold positions um, in that fund and the the value will be the nav times the number of positions but again it'll be you know it, it there is bitcoin is in the actual fund itself if that if that helps no i appreciate the unitized stock yeah. um example that that was a great way to put it so this one <clears throat> may be set up as those charged with governors have thought about it and what their plan provisions have um, do you see the trading of cryptocurrencies being able to be, or the purchases being able to be bought by both employee and or employer contributions? Yes, um, it can be both employee and employer. Um, you know, many plans uh, may offer source-specific mm -hmm. ability to allocate. So a participant can make source-specific allocations. Uh, and there's really two ways a participant ultimately gets into it. I mean, one is they can have payroll deduction as part of their ongoing investment elections, go into the account if the plan's offering it. And typically the, that matches, the deferrals and the match go to the same investment allocations, typically, not always, but that's normal. Um, or the participant can take some existing funds within their plan, sell out of a mutual fund position or the money market position, and and reallocate into or transfer into this digital asset account. And again, they can they can do that at a source specific level if they'd like to, or just do it you know, based on the, the weighting of the various sources within the plan. How, I think you kind of touched on it, but maybe we could, I don't know if you want to dive deeper. How will the investment be valued? I think you talked about the unitizers or anything else we need to kind of deep dive into from the unitized standpoint. Yeah, I think I think it's really important to note how that works, right? Because um, we're only talking about Bitcoin here, because this account is just uh, just holding Bitcoin and not other not other cryptocurrencies like Sterling talked about in the prior prior podcast. Um, folks will see that there's different prices for Bitcoin at different times across different exchanges. So Fidelity has developed the Fidelity Bitcoin Index. That's not an index fund they're investing in. It's really about price discovery. Um, and it's a proprietary process that we've created with a number of parties to be able to at any point in time, um, within seconds, determine what we believe is the value of Bitcoin at that moment on the exchanges. So that, that exchange value is exactly what, uh, what we'll use for the strike in the NAV. So we'll look at the total account, we'll say, all right, how much Bitcoin is in there? We're going to apply that value plus the value of the cash. And then um, the value of Bitcoin value of cash creates the, the NAV based on the number of units. So that that's a really important part of the process that uh, that 
price discovery is really critical here, and it's different than what you might see with a mutual fund or with a stock because of the number of uh, different exchanges that uh, Bitcoin can be traded on. So I think one of the things we wanted to touch on is um, trading limitations, or, or we, we call it restrictions, but I think that maybe in, in your world you called it um, limitations. Are, are there any of that? Yeah, I'd say there's a couple things that we've really designed this to be able to do. Um, you know, one of them is we ask plan sponsor fiduciaries that are deciding to offer this digital asset account to set a limit in terms of what's the percentage the participant can put into this account of their total account balance. Now, that's interesting to note because we don't do that with any other investment option. It's really only with this particular investment option, but every plan sponsor fiduciary has to determine what limit they think is right for their employees. Uh, you may have read or heard in the media a 20% limit. Um, what that really is, is that's, that's a 20% operational limit that we've created for the smooth operation of this unitized account. And I'll tell you, you know, some of our clients will probably go all up to 20% and others will probably select a percentage much lower than that. And of course they can change that anytime they want. That really is part of the plan sponsor's decision based on what they feel is right for their employee population. So our next question would be around, there's cybersecurity and then there's also, I know I read something in the news and I don't know the you know specifics. I kind of glazed over it, if you will, but essentially, you know, some kid did a cyber security incident and he hacked in and got Bitcoin and then poof, he disappeared. You know, yeah. those 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 headlines sell sell, you know, access and we can't say papers anymore, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Since right. You know, the sensation of guess what happened, you want to know. But so how does a plan, plan participant, you know, how do we know that? And this is probably for any investment, but yeah. Bitcoin being, you know, strictly this technical crypto currency investment, you know, how how is somebody going to say I am safe from this data breach? Yeah, you know, that is a really important question that I think. Plan sponsors, you asked earlier about plan sponsor fiduciary decision. My opinion, it all starts with the plan sponsor has to be comfortable that the Bitcoin, which is a plan asset, is going to be held securely. Um, that's as you know, as you and all your listeners know, right? That's a fundamental part of ERISA is the safeguarding of the assets on behalf of behalf of the employees. Um, so that is that is fundamental to begin with. And I would say there's ways, there's ways to hold Bitcoin that are going to be way more secure and there's ways to hold Bitcoin that are not so secure. And so when you hear about a lot of these, these thefts and these things that tend to make the sensational news, um, and obviously those things can make news more than the theft of dollars because the theft of, of US dollars is just, you know, that just happens. But this that's is old news. That's old news, exactly. <laughs> yeah. but, this, but this is good. This is exciting news. So, it, it, and that's one of the things that we, that we uh, really thought a lot about and Fidelity back in 2017 had developed an institutional grade custodian called Fidelity Digital Assets that holds cryptocurrencies for family offices, hedge funds, institutional investors. And we have developed a very extensive and, and regularly audited and tested cybersecurity protocol in which um, we hold that coin in safeguard on behalf of our customers. And it includes things like 
only so much, only a certain amount of the coin is in what's called a hot wallet. Hot wallet being something connected to the internet to allow an exchange. And the rest of the coin is going to be held in cold storage, which there's a lot of variations of that, but fundamentally means that it's not connected to the internet. It's not accessible. And there's a lot of safeguards around somebody being even being able to get access to that. Um, you know, that was actually something, you know, Sterling um, and team had, had worked on for, for quite some time. You want to maybe make a few comments about cybersecurity standards because the question about you know holding holding the Bitcoin in a in a secure way versus what we often see in the headlines. Yeah, so I think there's two things when you think about that, right? And what you see in the headlines is oh, there's been a hack or oh, there's been a breach. But what you really have to think back is okay, where's the root issue and cause? And you'll often find it's an operational issue. It is something that. Um, what was actually compromised was not actually the Bitcoin itself or the blockchain technology, but it is a process or something that um, a company has done. So so kind of the gates to get into how people are using and exchanging it, whether it's um, when we look at our security at, at Fidelity and when we're thinking about the space overall, you can separate it into, okay, in the industry what's happening and then for Fidelity, how are we taking those steps to mitigate any risk? And we really do have a comprehensive um, security governance and controls program that looks to protect all of the assets of our clients. And then we take those additional steps given this digital asset space and understanding the unique threats that we have there. So our ability to secure from a cyber operational physical really comes together. We we uphold and bring forward those enterprise standards and we we leverage the frameworks that many of you know that across, you know, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, that's NIST, really. And then we take it and we have our internal audits and we have external audit parties. So we encourage everyone that if you're in the space, get that uh, third party audit. And I said the second part is just what's going on in that industry. Overall, we hear a lot about things, but often a lot of that goes to fraud or goes to people that are um, not setting up the right controls and not following these steps. Because um, if you look at the industry, the the amount of volume of transactions that happened in 2021 is around like 15.8 trillion, right? It's huge. Mm. But of that, only 0.15% of the cryptocurrency transaction volume went to illicit addresses. So you have to think about what's really happening out there. And is it people kind of bringing some of these issues on because they didn't, they shared their passwords or they, you know, um, didn't have multi-factor authentication up or is it something bigger? And what we're finding is it's that operational step, the humans and how we're kind of transacting and working in this space. And, and just a, also tell you BDO also does um, SOC for cyber as well. So we also play yes. in that space as well. So you know it well. Yeah. Yes, we do. So um, thank you um, so oh, much. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Hold you on. got another question? I, have one, I do. I have one last question, right? So it's up and running. You guys are going to be implementing it. It's going to be out kind of going to market and in some of your the plans that, that you do um, later this year. I guess for anyone that's listening, have you started to see any trends, if you can potentially share, um, is this being popular in one region of the US, in one industry, um, or are you getting inquiries from all different types? That's a good question. 
Yeah, I love that question because that's what's been so surprising for me is that it's coming from um, different areas in the U.S., from large companies, small companies. You know, they're the ones that you would assume those that worked in the crypto space or investment space. But then I'm getting some really great interest from companies, everything that ranges from human resources or to kind of someone that works um, with a lot of engineers as their associate population base. Maybe it's utilities or maybe it's some other kind of industry where that technical mindset and the associates have been digging into the space and are following it. And they're saying, we heard about it. We want it. So um, a lot of the participants are asking for it. And then the other area that is surprising but not so surprising is that those um, companies that have a large population in this um, millennial or Gen Z space, they're asking for a lot because they're already transacting in a digital world. It's how they kind of inter interact and engage today. And the companies are saying, well, we want them to put more in their savings. They're not really saving. And this could be a way for them to save in how they worked in a digital world today. So if you're already going to be doing something with Bitcoin, do it in a responsible um, space that can build up and contribute to savings. And, and for you saying that, you know, I, I think about that generation um, where I'm going to tell you I'm about to be 50. So about to hit me a nice milestone. And I'm, I'm in a technical world where, you know, I check into a hotel online. My husband jokingly says that I don't like to talk to people. So I do so much online food, you know, checking in. But I'm going to tell you, I'm a little hesitant when it comes to Bitcoin and putting my retirement dollars in there. But I think that from a retirement plan standpoint, maybe that, that I could, you know, feel a little bit safe of kind of trying it out a little bit, but not going full all in where, mm -hmm. you know, I think a younger generation that their that fear is not going to be there at all. Like that, that's just not going to be a blip on their screen. It's just going to be normal. Well, and Beth, what, what we've uh, talked about before in some of our thought leadership pieces is it's really knowing your workforce to what oh, Sterling absolutely. was saying. You know, those charged with governance, putting in the investments, listening to your employees, what do they want? And um, yeah, the, the tides are kind of changing and, and the millennials and the Gen Zs are going to start, be, start making some of the decisions. I mean, we've, we've talked about it. If, if you go back and listen to our very first podcast all the way through here, we we touch on the generations. We talk, touch on what communication styles that work for each one. Um, then we start, you know, talking about just the, the different things that people want. And it, a lot of it, we, we touch on the generations of it's just different for each one. Yep. Just look at what we've seen in the healthcare. I mean, how many times... Uh, Five years ago, maybe six years ago, would you have thought about going to a virtual doctor? And now that's just how some people say it. So we've seen it in healthcare, and now we're going to kind of go to a digital world um, slowly and surely, maybe in the retirement world. You know, I can remember, I've been in this business long enough, I can remember when target date funds was considered to be radical. You're right. Right? You remember that? I mean, and yes. I have to confess, I, I'm, I'm past the 50, Beth, so I'm a couple years past the 50, so there's, there's hope. But yes, I mean, we, we we live that, right? We live that and we saw that. And yet now, what, 80% of all new plan assets go into target date funds? I'm not saying that's going to be the same for cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, but I think it's just, you know, change is inevitable. And 
I think you're right. I think the, the, the changing workforce is going to uh, evolve plant sponsors' perspectives on this. And, you know, the last thing, Beth, you were hitting on something there at I probably should have mentioned earlier, but the power of the retirement plan is really dollar cost averaging. Mm -hmm. And the ability for somebody to get exposure in a, in a safe way under the auspices of the employer through reoccurring contributions, which is a great way to manage volatility. Yeah, great, but you know, and don't look right home. now. Don't look right now. Don't get emotional right now. Right. <laughs> and don't put it all in at one particular price, right? And we would say that of, we'd say that of a mutual fund as well as Bitcoin or anything else, right? It's just the, it's the same principles. So, well, thank you so much um, for joining us today and diving down deeper into crypto and retirement plans and how it plays in this space. Hopefully, that this will give some comfort to um, plan fiduciaries that. The world's not coming to an end that if they want to put this into their plan, that, it, that it's a good choice for their participants and, and there's a way to do it. So um, once again, thank you. And um, as you can tell, we certainly love talking about retirement, retirement plans and what's happening in the HR industry. And um, our BDO, ERISA Center of Excellence on BDO.com, touches on all topics, retirement and other HR trends to keep plan sponsors up to date. And I will lastly add, just in case there are any questions or somebody wants to know how to get in contact with us based on this topic, please feel free to email us at bdotalksarissa at bdo.com. Thank you for listening to BDO Talks Arissa. Past episodes are available at bdo.com slash bdotalksarissa. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also send us feedback, questions, or ideas you have for future topics at BDOTalksArissa at BDO.com. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on BDO's Arissa Center of Excellence and the services we provide, visit BDO.com slash Arissa.